City, top of the Premier League, top of the Europa League, we're top of the world. And to top it all off, we're giving away a Leicester shirt for you to win on this episode of For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby in For Fox Sake HQ. And well, we're not only gone and done a top of the league jobby over the international period, have we? Fantastic. It means we can wallow in the success that we've currently got at the moment and hopefully it lasts an awful lot longer so we can do more wallowing Rob Hayes. Very much enjoying it. Happy lockdown to you. If this is what lockdown's like, let it go on for as long as it needs to. If Leicester stay top of the league as long as we're locked down, I will stay indoors until May. Thank you very much. Who has been criticising the no crowds? Who has been criticising the kind of standard and weirdness of the football? Who's been criticising anything to do with lockdown? It's fantastic, isn't it? Apart from, obviously, the obvious, and we're firmly tonguing cheat when saying that. But yeah, Leicester flying high, top of the league, absolutely brilliant. But we're not going to start with the actual football on the pitch. We're going to start with something off the pitch, because we announced at the end of the last episode, which of course everyone listened to and everyone got to, um, we have a sponsor of the podcast and it's our good friend Danamarch Sports and Football Kit Markets. So make sure you head over to uh, Football Kit Markets and you can check out all of their latest offerings. But the reason that we mentioned this straight away and people might go, oh no, not a, not a sponsor. But no, because we have a prize. We have a prize given by, guess who? Footballkitmarkets.com and, uh, and the prize is a Leicester City shirt. Now, it could be the home shirt, it could be the away, or it could be the third kit. Essentially, little behind the scenes, I'll get it and then I'll pass it on to you, etc, etc. So, whichever you want, you can have. And how do you win this? I hear you all say. How can you win this shirt? Perfect time for Christmas. Um, how you win is nice and easy. You go onto social media. You go onto Twitter handle which is at FFSpod, for Fox 8 Pod. So you go onto our Twitter handle and you'll see an image and there'll be an image every single day until the next podcast. And all you have to do is you have to just retweet that image and make sure you follow Footy Kit Market, at Footy Kit Market. Give them a follow, retweet, and you'll be in. All the information's on the picture. And guess what? You can do it as many times as you want. So you retweet today's image, you can retweet tomorrow's, etc., all the way until the final episode or the next episode and uh, all those will be uh, tallied up and you can enter as many times as you want. You can do that on Facebook as well and you can do that on Instagram. So go over to Instagram for Fox 8 Podcast. You can find us on there and make sure you like every single post where you see win a Leicester shirt. Go to Facebook, find us on there and make sure that you do share the image and however many times you do that, again, all those get added into. And my plan, Rob, again, production meeting on air, is I'm going to have all of the entries down. So some people might have six, seven, ten entries. Um, and I'm going to basically put them in a big bowl and I'm going to basically draw it live 
on the next episode. That's the plan. So everyone will have their names in the hats uh, to win a Leicester shirt of your liking. Again, the, the home kit, the away kit or the third kit. It's up to you. So all you have to do, go on our social media channels and uh, follow the instructions. Essentially, just retweet the image and make sure you give our friends at footballkitmarket.com a follow, uh, especially on their Twitter handle, which is at footykitmarket. What a wonderfully positive way to start this episode of the podcast. Leicester at top of the table and you, yes you, listening in your kitchen probably, less likely to be in your car at the moment because you're not supposed to be out. Uh, you could win a Leicester City shirt courtesy of our friends at Football Kit Market um, and thank you very much to them for providing that for us. You know, it's a bit of a bit of a, uh, a give-give kind of relationship. We give them a little bit of a promotion on air. They give us a shirt to give to you. We all win. Everybody wins. And I tell you who's good at winning at the minute. Leicester City. We've got two two matches to cover since our last podcast. Uh, we'll kind of do them side by side simultaneously, although they were two very different um, kind of scorelines and performances, if you like, or, or different sort of approaches to the game. But um, another couple of clean sheets. Top of our group in the Europa League, courtesy of a 4-0 win against our rivals for top spot in Group G, Sporting Braga. And then another very close rival or expected close rival in the Premier League this season, Wolverhampton Wanderers. And we went and beat them 1-0 to go top of the Premier League. So we're top of two tables and we've got a shirt to give away. It's amazing, isn't it? It's uh, And also, we're just with back to the shirts, um, why not have a go? If, you've, if you don't own a Leicester shirt or you haven't bought one for ages again you could use it as a present whatever all you have to do is just retweet and give them a follow all the instructions are on the picture so why not have a go um it, it, it's just going so well isn't it at the moment and let's 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 just wallow in the glory like I said let's just um oh, I was going to say something weird no I was gonna, writhe in the success that's that sounds disgusting and horrible but let's enjoy it why not it's it's going so well and in the face of a lot of adversity with all the injuries. The things I've, I've got um, because of lockdown, etc. And uh, it was a bit weird watching the game on, on the Sunday because I yes, sat there. With, I had a little bit of paper with me and I was like, well, I'm going to write bits down. And I've, I've written a couple of things of the game, but not, 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 not an awful lot because it was just so enjoyable to watch especially the first half it was it was two very different halves against Wolves for me the first half was and it was it was played quite a slow pace um and the first half I thought Leicester were fantastic I thought their passing was great their movement uh was was lovely little triangles and uh, you can tell that they've worked on in certain areas of the field people join in play and players maybe running beyond the ball receiving the ball and then knowing that there would be a run from behind by a certain player. It could be someone like Mendy, for example, helping out that triangle on the right or the left. It, it just looked so in sequence and in order. And then, and also everyone's so comfortable in their positions. The balance of the side is perfect. And it's the formation that a lot of teams are employing at the moment, but it really is. And we mentioned on the last podcast about how it's fitting certain players. Christian Fuchs is a prime example in that left-sided of the three centre-halves. It's it's just working so well. And I thought Leicester really outplayed Wolves in the first half. We, um, I said 
when we beat Leeds, we, we out-leads them, but we did that in a certain way because what we expected them to do better than Leicester or them to excel in because they have done, the three or four points you'd say with Leeds, we did better than them straight away. And with Wolves, I think in the first half especially, we out-Wolves them. We moved the ball better. Um, we were slicker. We were better in control. Uh, we were more cohesive. But then... That's no surprise to us, but Wolves are one side that you would say in English football or towards the top of um, what that kind of list of side. It's it's one of their strong points. And and I thought they were brilliant. Well worth their lead. It could have been more, should have been more, really, with the, the missed penalty to make it 2-0. Um, and then the second half, I think it was just a combination of things. Mainly, first of all, Wolves moving fully 20 yards further forward their entire side so when they played with the ball they actually had the ball somewhere over the halfway line because they sat back way too deep Uh, but also I think just the game after game after game the Thursday Sunday Thursday Saturday Thursday Monday routine that we've had I think it may be caught up with us against a good side and we then showed a rear guard action which was probably equally cheered on by everyone at home um, heading the ball and, 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 and booting the ball clear along with the players. I, I certainly was. I, I changed from being thoroughly entertained by this fantastic brand of football in the first half to a, an old school defensive wall in the second half. And it was just, it was really nice. Had a bit, little bit of everything, didn't it, really? I totally agree with your, your comments about the first half. We were very slick in possession and... You could tell, uh, you know that Brendan Rodgers prepares meticulously uh, from a tactical point of view for matches. Uh, and he's actually said recently that, that the tactical side of things has become even more important for Leicester because they have got so little time together on the training ground in terms of actually doing physical training because of the, the schedule that we've just mentioned there, that, that playing Thursday night and then coming back and playing Sunday afternoon your other sessions in between are basically recovery and tactical sessions. There is no other time for anything else to happen. So those tactical sessions are are really important. Um, And it was clear to see that Leicester were trying to operate in sort of inside forward positions where they thought the spaces would be. And it really did pay, uh, pay dividends because it enabled players like Madison to get on the ball um, and really affect the game in dangerous areas. He got on the ball so often, the wrong side of the Wolves midfield, um, that it looked like he was going to create something every couple of minutes. And, and Leicester kept finding him, uh, and one touch, two touch passing in and around the edge of the Wolves penalty area really was a joy to watch. And look, I don't think there's any point in us discussing the penalty, uh, particularly on, on the podcast. At the moment, the rule is whatever it is it changes and its interpretation of it changes almost daily by the sounds of it but the the rule is there uh, VAR spotted that the ball had hit a hand fine uh, and then it's up to the officials who study the laws of the game to decide whether that's a penalty or not and we got given a penalty uh, and and that's just how it is uh, and Vardy converts yes the second penalty going in would have um strengthen our position in the game and and would have reflected the dominant first half that we had um and I think you're right again about the second half it, it was a case of digging in um wolves tend to do that don't they 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 tend to start not necessarily more cautious but 
their their intention is to to be in the game. You know, they they're a they, yes, they're a passing side, um, and yes, they're a side that like to play attractive attacking football. But at, at the same time, they're very well drilled. They know exactly who needs to be where, and they don't typically give much away. So they they like to stay in games and then and then sort of grow into them and become more ambitious. And that usually is why players like Traore are on the bench to start with, and then they come on for what, half an hour or something to try and affect the game a little bit later on when maybe it's opening up a little bit. So we, we it was almost roles reversed at half time, wasn't it? Because Wolves knew they had to come out and be a little bit more expansive. Uh, and at the same time, we knew that we'd need to protect that lead because Wolves would more than likely have that extra step up. And so, and so it proved, but it was another very good defensive display by us. We're not conceding very many goals at all at the moment. Um, and when you consider that, if you picked a first choice back four, pretty much all of them are out injured. Then that is it really is a phenomenal, um, phenomenal stat, really, and it is testament to the squad that we've got and the system that we have found at the moment that suits the players that we have. We certainly have more of a cutting edge up top than Wolves. If I was a Wolves fan, I'd be slightly disappointed. They are towards the top end of the league, but. We've sat back in games recently and accepted the pressure and the possession for the other side to come on to us and then we can hold them and then go forward late on or go on a counter-attack, mainly due to probably players missing and also just through sensible tactics. And you go to the Man City away game as, as a prime example, the Arsenal game up until the final half an hour. and And we have that. Wolves don't. They they really don't. They're a very good side, but they, they do lack uh, a sharp edge up front. With Raul Jimenez, he's a very good player, but he needs service. He's a bit like Vardy, although he doesn't have the speed and he can't score the goals that Vardy can just through uh, speed and a typical classic Jamie Vardy uh, counter-attack goal. And then surrounding them, he doesn't have the Barnes. Uh, the Under, for example, or the Madison, in fact. The, the, they are quite a, a slow, um, cautious side who are very good. They can bring Triore on, but that's one player. And as much as he's got an awful lot of talent and, and, and attributes which are very easy to see, it's um, it's still, for me, quite puzzling why you would leave him on the bench. You'd have him at least... I'd have him in the side every single day of the week if, if I was at Wolves. And I'm sure Raul Jimenez actually probably would as well. But um, So so I'm a, I'm a bit miffed really by Wolves. I think they're a little bit too cautious, especially with the lack of European football as well. You thought that they would have really come on to Leicester and, 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 and taken the game to them. I was, I was a bit disappointed them, uh, with them overall in, in a kind of a, a neutral point of view, which is obviously not the case <laughs> with me. But anyway... Um, it was it was fantastic. The the penalty miss, uh, it's always awkward when you're taking two penalties in the same game. But Vardy's done it already. I think he's just scuffed that one. The idea was to go down the middle, which ultimately wouldn't have been the worst idea because I thought he would actually put it in the same corner in my own head. And I think he's meant to just go straight down the middle, but with a bit of loft, and he's just scuffed it, and he's gone into the, obviously the goalkeeper's legs and uh, it was a real shame because if that goes in then, then it pretty much is game over but the second half 
a really good rear guard action. Fafana, again, absolutely exceptional. It's a, a shame he's picked up a, a knee injury. He's been released by the French under-21 side to come back to Leicester. So, fingers crossed, that's nothing serious. It, at the moment, there's been no kind of word that it is anything serious. But with um, Liverpool on the horizon, it's uh, it's not ideal at all. And, again, a position where we, we don't need any more injuries uh, especially at the back. And he, he was fantastic. Um, so was Johnny Evans at the middle of the back three, which is a perfect position for him at the moment. And he, I think he's going to be playing for Northern Ireland, even though he had uh, a reoccurrence in the final what, 10 minutes, five minutes or so of his back problem. And everyone, I think, was hoping he would be withdrawn from the side. Fuchs was great. And... The rest of the side again, just in balance, was 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 really good, and he played. He had Barnes on the bench, and understandably so, really. When you look at the side, you try and pick to pick apart what the the thought process was. And Madison had such a good game against uh, Braga midweek, then then you could see why. Um, and on the other side, it's it it just kind of is is the side that we've got at the moment. It's Justin. I think Justin at the moment wouldn't be ideal in that kind of wide wing-back role because it is a back five, really, when you think about it now. The three centre-halves and the two wide uh, wing-backs, you would probably have them, say, as the four in midfield, but they are really wing-backs. I think Justin some, um, sometimes just gets a bit lost in that position going forward. I think defensively he's absolutely fine. And at the right-hand side of a back three, I think Justin has excelled, actually, in a position that maybe you would think he, he wouldn't. You'd think he'd be more comfortable out wide. But I think it's just when going forward... You can see what they are possibly missing on that side. It would be bang ideal for Ricardo, and to have Ricardo one side and Castagna the other side, that just seems ideal for both of those two players. And looking at the first team when they all come back, you slot say Soyuncu into the left side of defence, or at the moment keep uh, keep Christian Fuchs there. It just looks so solid, so well balanced. Everyone's playing well, but. Again, with this promise of players coming into the side, whether Wilfred indeed he takes over from Mendy, that's a different point because Mendy's playing so well. And again, had a really good first half and second half dropped further back and helped out. But his balance and with um, with Tillemans, those two working together, it, it's working so well. And would indeed he walk back into the side? You would say he would, but this gives indeed he time again to get fully fit. There's no rush to come back. He can come on for the final 20 minutes, the final 30 minutes, instead of maybe as what would have happened before, and this would apply to Soyuncu as well, and maybe Ricardo, they would possibly be brought in quicker because we need them to play. And that's maybe coming on at half-time or, or even being given a start against lesser opposition possibly, where now... We don't need that. They can come back into the side in their own good time because what we don't want is anything to, to flare up again. It's a much more pleasant conversation to be having sitting here thinking about a gradual return for some of the um, most talented players in our squad from, from injury. It's much better to be sitting here thinking, I wonder what Brendan Rodgers is going to do when that player is back to full fitness rather than sitting here going, oh my goodness me, we've got injury after injury after injury. Who on earth is going to play there? We've got no one. And and I think when the this injury crisis started to um, snowball, really, 
our initial thoughts were that because we've talked about the the depth of the squad before and, and how we weren't entirely sure that it was quite deep enough or quite rich enough with with the kind of talent needed to compete at the uh, upper end of the Premier League. So to be sat here and thinking, right, these players are keeping those, uh, potentially at the moment, keeping those injured players from returning straight into their position. And that's a great place for Leicester City Football Club to be in, to have that many players who can perform at that level um, and get these kind of results is is a fantastic position to be in. And, and it's players, you know, that would otherwise have been on the periphery of the squad. Luke Thomas wouldn't even have been around at Leicester, I don't think, at this stage. He would have been off, off on loan. And you've got to say, is he quite Premier League ready to, to be playing week in, week out? No, so he probably would have gone on loan to the Championship, in all honesty. Um, and now he's starting games at wing-back against Wolves. Albeit, yes, he got he got brought off at half time, but he's he's acquitting himself well. And then at the other end of the the career ladder, if you like, Christian Fuchs um, is right up there with our top performers this season. I think it's um, it's testament to these players that um, I saw an article on BBC Sport the other day about um, they do a player rater player ratings um, kind of. Uh, uh, thing on their app or on the website uh, in every match so if you're on the BBC Sport website you can rate every single player out of 10 uh, and what they've done is they've collated this um, into average scores so far this season and we've got three players in the top 10 Jamie Vardy we know all about you, you know you kind of you've almost come to expect it now um, but fifth on the overall list of all Premier League players um, on the player rating on BBC Sport is Christian Fuchs which I think is really, really impressive. And ninth on that list is Wesley Fofana. Um, Fuchs, a player we wouldn't, weren't 100% sure would be at the club this season. We know about his desire to go to New York to, to be with his family. Um, and Wesley Fofana, we uh, labelled as probably the biggest transfer gamble in Leicester City's history. Those two players are there in the top 10 overall, of, uh, albeit rated by fans and, and supporters. Um, so it's not exactly totally 100%. I'm not sitting there saying Christian Fuchs is the fifth best player in the Premier League this season, but it's a measure of the quality of performance that they've been putting in consistently during this run of six straight victories that, that they're featuring on lists like that. Um, and, and another point on another player is that um, Johnny Evans today in sort of the build-up to Northern Ireland's um, playoff fixture has been lauded by two of his former colleagues um, in the Northern Ireland national team as Northern Ireland's best ever defender. And all right, they're not uh, the biggest footballing nation in the world, let's let's be perfectly honest, but you look at Johnny Evans in his career, the, the amount that he's won at Manchester United, the fact that people didn't really seem to respect him fully until he went to West Brom and was playing week in, week out, and was one of the leading men in a Premier League side. Um, and he has been absolutely outstanding for Leicester City since he came in on a ridiculously cheap transfer, let's be perfectly honest. Um, and it's nice that 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 he's getting that positive um, reinforcement and that praise as well. And just everything around Leicester at the moment being talked about within within ourselves as supporters, but nationally and probably internationally as well, is very, very positive and everything 
is good. Everything is good, and uh, I think everything's good with the with the listeners as well regarding the three word reviews to the game against Wolves. Hard fought win by Richard Enriquez, uh, Packer Kent, Wes Masterclass. Uh, Ollie goes another clean sheet. League leaders again by Jim Chapman. One battle uh, ferocious for Farner. Uh, if we go over to the old Facebook, because again, uh, I do put. Uh, the post on Facebook, and again, just reply with three uh, words. So how did you see the game? And again, just in three words, we've got uh, six over here. We've got, uh, well, ground out a good win there, Ron. It's not quite three words, but there we go. Solid defensive performance by Stephen Morgan, yes. Uh, great concentration by Richard West, two, but there you go. And uh, I know someone who was very excited by their post, uh, and that was uh, Bill Selby with Book Andrea Pacelli. That's his three-word review for the... Uh, Game against Wolves, which we might well be uh, uh, on the old blower to Andrea. I don't know whether uh, Claudio can... Uh, oh, imagine that. Imagine we've won the league and before the game, out onto the podium with all the flowers in the middle of the field, etc. And we're like, right, here he comes again. And out he walks. But he's being led there by Ranieri. Well, <laughs> how how amazing would that be? Talk about getting ahead of ourselves. Do you know what I mean? And and just below them is the trophy for the Europa League already there. But uh, but anyway, it's uh, who who knows? Who knows? Hey, we're top of the league already. It's going so well. Um, yeah, Evans has been magnificent. Absolutely fantastic. And 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 for Farner again, we we said didn't we? It's the biggest transfer gamble. Well, you definitely agreed with me, didn't you, about it's the, the biggest transfer gamble Leicester have ever made. You spend 30-odd million quid on a player no one's hardly seen before and with no real record apart from the 20-odd games, a real plunge into the dark. and it, It's just worked so well at the moment. Again, hopefully this uh, uh, slight injury is nothing to be uh, too, uh, too worried about. Uh, regarding Thomas as well, interesting you mentioned him because... Uh, in theory, if you look at the players coming back, it could actually be a good idea because I think he really does need a loan move. He's, he's played so well in these games, but he's definitely not ready for first-team Premier League football constantly. I think he needs to um, bulk up physically, which will happen. Uh, you look at someone like Ben Chilwell, and if you look at Chilwell as he was a few years ago, maybe younger than Thomas, who's, what, 19, and Chilwell, say, let's say a 17-year-old Chilwell. We always said he was quite light. When you look at him now, and the way he's playing very well for Chelsea, and, you know, I'm glad, you know, I've, I've always uh, um, wanted players to do well when they you know, move on unless they, you know, fall out massively or whatever, but uh, I'm not quite like that. I want people to, you know, to do well, and, and, and Chilwell's move was all quite smooth and that, wasn't it? And... Um, and and he's playing so well, and he's got he's got more physical, hasn't he? Chilwell is one thing you would say about him. And, and Thomas, I think, with players coming back, you can imagine say, turn of the year, hopefully Ricardo's back playing first team football, Castagna back, and then you would have um, Justin who can play either side as maybe a backup to those, and you would have Albrighton because that position now is ideal for Albrighton who was. Played a few times at fullback, but was found wanting. But this position does suit Albrighton and his game at the moment. And it would then be a perfect opportunity for Thomas to go out on loan. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of clubs, I'm thinking high-end championship clubs, who would take him. And I think he would really benefit 
from playing in a good side in the championship, going for the playoffs, going for maybe automatic, who knows? I think it would be a really good move for him. Um, thinking about, say, Dewsbury Hall and how he's doing, say, at Luton as a person at work who who's a big Luton fan. And he keeps on giving me updates about how uh, Dewsbury Hall's playing. And uh, I think that would be a, a really good thing for him and and his development. And then he could maybe come back into the side or then progress. And who knows, he's only he's only a kid still playing for League Leaders Leicester. And they were there mainly because of one save late on by a player who we gave a, a good word to last week. And I think it's only right that we speak for a few minutes about him. But Schmeichel's been, I think, this season exceptional. He was on that list of players that you said on the BBC Sport websites. And he's been in great form. And that save was... It was a. I thought Roy Keane on Sky Sports, who he is, he is box office, isn't he, old Roy? And I quite like him actually. I don't mind Roy Keane because he says what he thinks, and sometimes I disagree with him, but that's fine. I think some people they hear a pundit, um, and these guys are in the Sky Sports studio. They're there for. They're not just there by accident. They're there because they can actually give a point of view. And they've seen so many games, played in so many games, won so many things. But actually, they can put across what they actually mean in a meaningful manner and maybe spark a conversation with the other studio guests. It's no accident they're there. And if you disagree, I've got a friend actually thinking about it now, who disagreed with what um, Roy Keane said uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. And because of that, he's the worst pundit in the world because of one disagreement. And I'm like, hang on, you can't just form a complete basis of that. But he mentioned about Schmeichel and he's very short in what he says. And he said it was a save I expected him to make and a save you'd expect a real top keeper to make. And I agree. And he also said straight away about the save, he goes, yes, but he's, he's a very good goalkeeper. He's a top class keeper. Now, that's it. He didn't, he didn't say any more about Schmeichel, about his career, about how good he is. That says a lot. That's Roy Keane really giving some praise. Because he's like, I don't, need to, I, need, I don't need to tell anyone how good he is. And he goes, good save, but it would be one I'd expect him to make. And I think a few people went, hang on, that's a bit... No, 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 I was like, yes, Roy, I completely agree. It's a brilliant save. It's a great save in the... Uh, it, I think in, in commentary it was highlighted that... I think it was Alan Smith, the co-commentator, said he's done nothing all game. Or he's had nothing really to do. And then the top keepers can do that. And that elevates the save more. And we know he's very acrobatic, but it was a good effort on goal. It was side-footed, so it wasn't hit with an awful lot of pace. But I think that was a, a fantastic save. Looks good for the cameras, but in the circumstance, when you win 1-0, and it's the first real thing you've had to do save-wise, brilliant. It was. It was an outstanding save. And you have to take Roy Keane's comments in the way that they were more than likely intended in the sense that he says you'd expect a keeper of his quality to be saving that. And yes, that that kind of backs up the point that we make on this podcast, that that actually, despite the odd, it, and his errors have become much, much uh, more infrequent as as the years have gone on at Leicester, really. Despite the odd little bit here or there, Kasper Schmeichel is up there with one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. And if you're saying that the Premier League is one of the most competitive, if not the highest level league in the world probably then that ultimate that ultimately by definition makes Kasper Schmeichel a world-class goalkeeper so 
yes, it's a save that you would expect him to make, but that's because we know how brilliant he is. There's probably, you know, well, let's say a third of Premier League goalkeepers save that, if that, maybe even just a quarter. Um, and that's the kind of bracket that you're putting him in. It's he Neves can strike a ball from whatever distance, and he's he's just outside the edge of the area. You know, it, yes, it could have been a couple of inches closer to the to the top corner, but for Schmeichel to get across at that speed, relatively unsighted, because you know when he made the save and he rolled away, he got back up and he and he started. How often have you seen Schmeichel come out and absolutely? give it to his defenders or midfielders for not closing down quickly enough. But he's seen that Tielemans got out as quick as he possibly could. And that would obviously have, have meant that Schmeichel has to react a split second later and to get across, but not even just to get across to be there, the the agility, but also the strength to be able to, to push it behind because Neves properly got hold of that. It is outstanding and... Yeah, I don't think Roy Keane's sitting there saying it's an easy save. He's saying it's a save you'd expect a keeper of that quality to make. And that's why he is so important to us, because he wasn't really tested for the rest of the game, um, because he is our captain on the field now more often than not. He's he's 34, which, you know, even for a goalkeeper, is is getting towards the um, the twilight of the career, really. But he doesn't. He, he he just gets better and better at the moment, Schmeichel. This this is the most consistent we've ever seen him in a Leicester shirt, and he 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 is indispensable to this football club at the moment. I'd agree. I I'd agree, and I think the outfield formation is helping him as well. When the two of the wider centre halves, when they spread out, as soon as Evans gets the ball or it's central, they can spread out. When Schmeichel gets the ball, they spread out. So there's those two players who would occupy any forwards or any wide forwards. But then, of course, you have the two further players who are wider. The At the moment, say Thomas on one side and say Albright on the other side, hopefully Castagna and Ricardo in the not-too-distant future. They would be even wider. So he has two options out wide, two on the right and two on the left. He also has the centre-half down the middle and then also whoever up top and we know he just doesn't leather it down the field because there's no one really to pick out uh, but his kicking has become better but I think it's become better because of the outfield formation he's got more options I think he got an awful lot of, of, of jip from the from the stands uh, quite a lot of it to be perfectly honest I think was probably just because you can moan if the ball goes straight out of play or it goes straight to one of their players but we all know he's trying to pick out a player and booting it downfield isn't just going to work out. So we know what he's trying to do. And he's actually got a few assists, hasn't he? But Schmeichel at the moment, you say he's, you know, he's 34. I'd love to... I don't, I, he obviously will do when he, when he retires. But I'd love to read his autobiography because I'm absolutely amazed that a big club in terms of offering him more money hasn't come in for him. United, I know they've got... Um, Henderson now why that I don't know how they're playing the hair anyway but why Henderson hasn't hasn't been given the uh, the the you know the the shirt and De Gea has been moved on but uh, I'd I'd be amazed if there hasn't been a club come in for him I'm surprised nothing has from the continent there was rumors about Roma a few years ago but I'm surprised because he's a big name he's a big name throughout Europe and if one of the you know the proper big boys come in for him I, I don't think people would turn around and go, really? I said, yeah, you know, okay. And 
he he kind of suits the continental continental style of goalkeeper. That sounds absolutely appalling. But if he was to go and play in Spain, you think of Spanish goalkeepers of maybe yesteryear. I think I'm probably talking uh, of a different kind of era. You know, the early two thousands kind of time. It's probably it has changed really by now. That's kind of an out of date point of view. But you get the kind of um, feel that I was going with. I would be amazed if someone hasn't come in for him and him still in Leicester. There we go. It's uh, it is just another position at the club filled by a, a, a player, an absolute top class Premier League, in theory, world player. And then you look at the side, Rob. And at this current point of time, it's a good time to kind of look forward and go right. Where are we? Where are we going? We're top of the league. We're top of the Europa League. Who have we got next? And I will consult the fantasy football fixture difficulty rating list. Um, and we know we've got Liverpool next. But on the difficulty rating, it basically highlights a club in red if it's a difficult fixture. And green if it's a um, a positive fixture, if you've got a good chance of winning. Uh, Grey if it's kind of in the middle of the road. It's red for Liverpool away. And then followed by three green fixtures. We've got Fulham at home, Sheffield United away. Brighton at home, then Everton at home, which is a great fixture, and then tough tax uh, against uh, Tottenham and Man United away. But that's in mid-December. So I know we do have the old adage of, you know, you play, you look at the season at the moment, you, you lose against Villa at home and you lose against West Ham at home, yet you've gone away to Man City and won and away to Arsenal and won. It's, it is that kind of season, but you do have to be positive looking at the fixture list. The Liverpool game is going to be very difficult. We know that. But away from that, there is a good chance that not only sitting top of the league is a, is a fantastic position to be in right now, you can't be in a better position, but also in the not-too-distant future, it wouldn't be completely out of all equations for Leicester to be further clear as we enter mid-December. Oh, I like positive speculation, Peter. It's very good, isn't it? Uh, yes, you, you you basically you you've stopped one a couple of words short of saying we'll be top at Christmas there, haven't you? Uh, because by the time we come back from the international break, as you said, a couple of games left in November. Um, one of them, obviously, as you say, is away at Liverpool. But then that that little run of fixtures there looks on paper very favourable and. And as we we said when we were sort of previewing the Europa League campaign, that we were quite fortunate that as the fixtures began to get congested again in uh, later on this month and at the beginning of December, when we've got to get all of the rest of the group games completed, that the um, following Premier League games are not likely to be as difficult as um, as they could be. Uh, especially, we said, coming back from uh, playing away in uh, Zoria Luhansk and having to play Sheffield United, who cannot buy a goal, let alone a win from anywhere at the moment. Um, and obviously things could have changed by then. You know, Sheffield United pick up a couple of results and all of a sudden they get back to sort of the momentum that they managed to build last season. And, and you know, it's a, it's a different kind of game. Um, and equally, in a few weeks or three or four weeks' time, Leicester City's first starting 11 or, or match day squad might look a little bit different with, with players expected to be uh, slowly beginning to return. So it is only positive 
at the moment for us. This this international break is uh, is good in many ways. It allows us to take a little bit of stock. Um, I, I think largely though the players would probably have rather have continued playing because you know you're winning six on the bounce. There's a very settled look to the side um, and sort of clear goals and and tactical approaches. So it would have been nice probably to to keep it going, but it's also a bit of a break for a lot of players from the game two days off, game two days off um, routine, which a lot of the managers have been slating at the moment for for injuries as well. And I, I think we've done quite well really to not play it down a little bit, but we've not whinged about the injury crisis. We've just sort of identified it. We've, we've spoken about it uh, and we've kind of shown that we can, uh, as a football club, uh, as a team, that they've been able to overcome it. So hopefully when we come back from the international break, albeit it's very difficult against the uh, reigning champions, that we'll be able to uh, pick up where we left off I think if we beat Braga on th- on the 26th, then that's pretty much um, guaranteed uh, into the knockouts of the Europa League, which is a great position to be in with a couple of games to spare. Uh, and then you would expect to pick up near maximum points from the following Premier League fixtures. So lots of good stuff to look forward to. And yes, we could be near the top by Christmas. Yeah, hopefully we are. And with the substitutions coming into more focus, really, when the two big clubs in the Premier League, Man City and Liverpool, when both of their managers, who we we know their history and the fact that they they get on really well, etc. And they both come out saying, look, we need five substitutes in the Premier League. We have those games in the Europa League, Braga away, Zoila Hanska away and home home tie against AEK Athens, which is scheduled for the 10th of December. And by then, you'd expect some of these injured players to be in and around the first team once again. So it's a perfect game, really, with the five subs in Europe to be able to bring these players onto the field at certain times. You know, there's more options available. So they're they're really good fixtures for those returning players to, to be involved with. I'm still in the, even though Leicester have been affected by injuries, I still believe it should be three in the Premier League. I know exactly where they're coming from with their arguments and I think they are they're right they are just but it should still be the three and if you've got players playing through injury you've got big enough squads that's what squads for now if you want to play a certain player and then be so many goals up in a game and withdraw them and you can't because of the three subs well maybe you shouldn't play them from the start that's why your squad's there so I'm on, I'm still in the camp that three is the best idea, and it, it's it's not an error. We said this at the start of the season, it should be three, and, and I'm still sticking with it, even though technically it might have benefited Leicester having the five in the Premier League. I think the interesting thing about the argument is that Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp didn't even make, I don't think, from, from memory, their, their full uh, quota of three substitutes each in that match. And then they come out after the match and say, oh, yeah, we need five substitutes. He didn't even use three fellas. So let's, you know... The Premier League is is very rapidly losing lots of its I don't know about traditions as such, but um, sort of things that identify it really. Yeah, and people will say, look, 
back in the olden days, you couldn't even have substitutes. And then it was just you'd, you'd have one bloke on the bench who could come on if some player had absolutely snapped their, their shin bones in half or something. Um, but I think three is the right number for the Premier League. It 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 becomes as as a spectacle for supporters, um, if nothing else, it becomes a bit farcical. It becomes almost a little bit like that international friendly against um against a lowly ranked national team where you change about six players at half time and then a few more come on. By the end of the game, you've got no idea who's on the pitch and who's not. You've got no idea where they're playing. And the rhythm of the game is upset so much that it makes it a damp squib. And and I think that's the the danger that you would run by making that a permanent law in the Premier League. Um Europa League's slightly different and you know, you can you can name pretty much any player you ever want to on the squad on the on the bench there. You can have a massive match day squad as well. Um so the kind of European competition there enables you to, if you want to, um, use a bit more squad rotation as well. Um, but at the moment, you know, we, we've pretty much lost, and, and rightly so at the moment, to, to make it accessible to all supporters. But, you know, you've lost the sort of most games kick off on Saturday on, uh, on Saturday at three o'clock. You know, you've lost that. The The supporters a lot of the time are alienated because of the most recently the the pay-per-view scheme etc so to keep change you know, you know var is causing a lot of controversy the handball rule is is neither here nor there um the, there's a lot surrounding it so let's just keep something the same there's i don't think changing it really to bring that player off on 80 minutes instead of 90 because you've got the extra couple of subs is that going to make a massive difference probably not so and, and and look, ultimately everybody's in the same boat. So I think we just kind of need to to crack on with that. Stick to three subs in the Premier League and 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 get on with it. Really, um, just touching on the the Braga game because we we kind of said we'd do them side by side, but we got very carried away with the with the Wolves game, which in many ways was a more satisfying victory because it was it was hard fought. It was a good tactical battle, um, but we stuck four past Braga, who who really. They played into our hands, didn't they? They they came to try and play uh, football, but it left a lot of gaps, and they didn't really have that much in the way of firepower to really worry us. Um, and it was uh, another game where Kelechi Inacho managed to get himself on the score sheet, which, when we're talking about the squad depth and competition for places all over the field, I'm not sitting here for a second saying that Ian Acho is knocking on the door to be starting ahead of Jamie Var- of a fully fit Jamie Vardy, but he did. However, however you look at the goals, the first one bouncing back off of him and the keeper about a million times before he managed to shuffle it in. But you know, it's his name on the score sheet, and he strikes me as a real confidence player. So to have him available as Jamie Vardy ages and is likely to pick up more of these little niggles that, that stop him from playing two lots of 90 minutes in a week, Ian Acho on the score sheet is a good thing. It is. If you see the scoreline Leicester 4, Braga nil, and then have no idea who played or what happened, my first thing would be how many has Kalechi scored because we need him in form, confidence, in case he needs to come on in the Premier League. Simple as that. Or for him to start in Europe to play instead of Vardy, for, for him to have a rest. It's, it's it's a simple equation. 
I, I think Leicester were great. I think they were really good that day. Against the poor Braga side, I agree. They left gaping holes in areas which you can't against Leicester. And we, to be honest, we really did kind of tear them apart. While still, I think, still only playing about 80%. I don't think Leicester were fully tuned up. And if Leicester played as they did against Wolves in the first half, they, they would have absolutely taken them to the cleaners. And uh, it was just a very satisfying win. And it puts us... Well, nine points out of nine. We're miles clear of the rest, six points clear of Athens. And then with the game against Braga away, I think it will be a different prospect. They've now seen us and they can play at home in, in probably more, maybe maybe more of the Braga that's, uh, that they've played so far this season. I think they've turned up at Leicester and, and, and almost changed the way that they've played to try and combat Leicester. But... By doing so, playing into our hands, they, they've just got it completely wrong. And I think they'll throw everything out the window and start again and go, right, we need to just go for the win here because we are, if, if we still lose the game uh, or get a point, then we will still be in a very strong position to then go on because we fancy ourselves against AEK Athens, who they easily beat, and uh, obviously Zoria. So... I can see the next game in Braga being actually really quite an entertaining game because in the league position, I don't think they've got anything to lose by not going for the game. And uh, and, and, and we'll, we'll obviously highlight that in the next uh, the next podcast. But uh, overall, it's just a comfortable win, wasn't it? It was. It was enjoyable to watch as well. I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying um, thinking, oh, what am I going to do with this? We, well, I was in tier three before lockdown. What am I going to do this Thursday evening? I can't go out to the to the pub unless I need unless I want to eat a substantial meal um I can't go to the cinema it's closed I can't do this can't do that ah Leicester are on again um it's, it's been actually quite nice to see so much of them and so much of uh these different players as well and first half of the group if you like the the first legs of the of the fixtures has all gone swimmingly it has, and uh, you, you just actually touched on one point. The pay-per-view seems to have been thrown out the window, and what a good thing that is. We all know what our stance was on the pay-per-view. I think it was just a real... I think it was something that we'll come back to, hopefully, in, in years to come and say, do you remember that? Do you remember when all of a sudden you were asked to pay 15 quid for a game? Do you remember when West Brom fans had four games out of five? on pay-per-view because they're the lowest ranking team in terms of viewers in the Premier League and Sky didn't want to touch them because they want the most people watching theirs because of of revenue through adverts etc and it's it was a disgrace it happened and hopefully it gets thrown out and we'll all be fine and dandy come uh, Easter and we have no idea what's going to happen vaccine wise etc but if everything gets rolled out in record time and all of a sudden we can have fans in the ground and if the elderly who are listening, hello, if you get your jab first and all of a sudden we have um, a, a ground full of uh, 65 or 70 year old plus fans, well, how good would that be? You know, the conversation will be rife with memories of the 60s and 70s but no but imagine if that's the case if the only fans who can go to one of the games are it, it, it's in tears of, of ages because they've got the vaccine first all of a sudden 
there's 8,060... I mean, I'd imagine if you're a supporter and you're listening to this and you're that age, you're thinking, that sounds brilliant. That's exactly what we want. And then gradually, week by week, it gets filled up because there's more ages having this uh, vaccine as it gets younger and younger and younger. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everyone can come back of, of every age. That's... Uh, <laughs> What a sight that would be. I think maybe you should write some some books about what-if scenarios because your mind travels in some interesting directions and and often it's very much off the cuff and I, and I, I do quite enjoy listening to it and, and I've, I've been um, entertained by you for many years now, uh, Pete. But, you know, we had that what-if series during the, the first lockdown about what would have happened if this had happened. What what would happen if the vaccine got given to old people first and they opened up the football stadiums? <laughs> these kind of scenarios are very interesting. I mean, you're, it, it's almost like we're on your your other podcast here at the moment, and you've you've had a you've had a tipple, and uh, and you're going off down on on a on a, off on a bit of a tangent. But no, I can I, I can understand where you're coming from, and I think the um, the more what should we say, the more senior Leicester City supporters, as you say, would probably enjoy that and there'd be some some good conversations on the terraces. Senior is probably the best word, elderly. Oh, by the way, the other podcast, just a, a completely, uh, uh, just a big plug, Drinking With Fear. Search for that, Drinking With Fear. It's a, it, I'll tell you right now, it's a disgrace. There's incredible amounts of swearing uh, and it's, it's, it's really that sort of thing. You know, basically people sat there drinking, talking nonsense. Just like... You just heard there, but um, do be alarmed. There's a lot of swearing. Anyway, that's um, by and by. And uh, by the way, the Halloween special was extraordinary. Uh, but now onto something more extraordinary, and that is Rob, the fancy football league. Here we go then with the top ten of the For Fox Eight podcast official Premier League fancy football league up into tenth place. It's Leighton Warner with his LCFC Fox Poacher. Uh, 498 points. Up into ninth place, Dave Loosby with uh, Real So So Bad with 500 points. Down into eighth place, Martin Summers with Hammersmith Ardmen. Again, 500 points. Up into seventh place, Gareth Bell, Bulldogs Forever, 503. Up into sixth place, Ian Barker with Stay Home, Eat Out, Get Fats. 506 points. No change in fifth place. Uh, Islin Weltsin with Benzin. 513 points. Down into fourth place. Drake Martin with Drake Water. 527 points. In third place, a non mover. Kieran Ford with For Fook's Sake. 529 points. Up into second place. It's Frank Sinclair own goal. And it's me with 536 points and up into first place. Only two points clear at the top. Two points, come on. And it's Luke Taylor with TaylorMade. I don't know whether Luke Taylor, if you're listening to this and you're not the Luke Taylor that I know from university, then... My apologies, because it, I imagine there's a few Luke Taylors out there. But if it is Luke Taylor Mendes from university, then damn you. And you're not a Leicester fan, so <laughs> I don't I don't suppose you are listening. But you've joined the group and uh, the Fancy Football League. And uh, you're two points so close, Rob. I don't think 
at any, let's say after two or three weeks of the season, we've never been at the top, either me or you, because this is only the second season we've done this. Uh, and to be honest, we've never really been close to being at the top. I think I got to about 11th last year at one point and then dropped away. But uh, second, hey, how about that? And I'm definitely not bragging. It's just, that's extraordinary. I got 78 points this week. I had a really good week. I am absolutely delighted that you didn't get three more points and that we're not sitting here talking about you being top of the league because ah, come look, on. second place is bad enough, but first place, you'd have been absolutely insufferable. I, 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 I do, I, I am pleased for you. You know, when when you were linking into to the fantasy football, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll let him have this because I'd be exactly the same as you. I'd be buzzing if I was in second place. Uh, we'll gloss over where I am because I had a very, very average week. If I'm scoring in the 50s, I, I tend to think that that's OK. Um, and that's exactly what I did this week. But, you know, it's it, it's tumbled me down into 77th place. Uh, I captained Son thinking that um, Spurs would stick a few past West Brom, and they quite clearly didn't. Um, I just... It's it's a difficult game, isn't it? Because you're looking at um, at uh, the fixtures and you're trying to predict things. And, you know, some people might argue that this Premier League season is the, the most unpredictable of the lot since. But I think fantasy football in La Liga or Serie A would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Because you could pretty much bank more often than not on the big team beating the little team. But it just doesn't happen in the Premier League, which is what makes it so exciting. But your challenge now, Pete, is to sustain this because it is so, so easy for gaps to open up in the Fantasy Premier League table very, very quickly. I've got no hope of recovering any kind of um, any kind of respect uh after dropping down to seventy seventh place, there's there's no way back for me. But you've got to, you've got to sustain it now. You've got to fly the flag for the podcast uh, and keep yourself at least in the top ten, so you get to name check yourself every week. See, I, I do disagree with you actually because you're on four hundred and thirty seven points again, seventy seventh place. But um, a couple of good weeks, and you can be right up there. You know, you're say sixty odd points off the top ten, less less than that even. So. It's not insurmountable at all when you've got the triple captains and all those sort of things uh, still still to possibly be played. I, I will, I, and again, I'm not rubbing it in, but I'll go through the team. Uh, I, I've based it really around Spurs and Villa. Um, I've got Mendy in goal. I've got Robinson from Fulham, Kilman and Regulon from Spurs. Uh, Salah, I've got Barkley, Grealish, Son, Fernandez, Watkins and Kane. That's my uh, that's my side, but I do look. And I'm not, you know, again, just giving it away. It's quite easy, but I do use that fixture rating very easy. So at the moment, I've got my eyes firmly on two sides in particular, and uh, they are certain Liverpool. And um, if I go to speak amongst yourselves, the fixture difficulty rating. Um, yeah, Liverpool, once they play Leicester, they have a run of nice and easy games. Uh, and also Man City with Burnley and Fulham at home on the horizon. And also West Brom at home in four games. They've got those three. So I, at the moment, shifting every other player around, getting rid of Son and Kane, etc. And bringing them in. That's my plan. So just giving away a few secrets there. But never mind. It's all going swimmingly in the... FPL 
fancy football league and and also i'll, I'll try i'll definitely try and uh, keep it up for the podcast because i think uh, this is good rob i think you should be supporting me now as much as i was being quite level-headed about this no no this is for the pod you know we, we if we had a really poor show in this year the first year okay we were what 20th or 25th or whatever which was very very respectable but i think we need a strong showing from the podcast uh because it gives us a little bit of only a smidgen because we lose it in many other areas, especially me, in credibility. Uh, we lose it with what we say, especially, again, myself. So holding on to this second place, it's good for the podcasts. It gives us just that little bit, little bit of of, of validity, really, of what we say. If, 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 you're, if you staying in the top 10 of the Fantasy Premier League table maintains any ounce of credibility left in this podcast, then I am behind you all the way. Excellent. Now, just to go back to the competition, because I uploaded the first picture saying win this shirt, etc. on the Twitter handle at FFSpod. And since we've been on air, 10 people so far have retweeted. Now, again, if you go to the picture, you can see that you do need to follow at Footy Kit Market, our friends and sponsors, Football Kit Market. They've got their Twitter handle at Footy Kit Market. So you need to follow them and then retweet to make sure that you're in there. If you go to Facebook, you'll be able to find the image on there. And again, make sure you share that image and then give Footy Kit uh, Market a follow and you'll be fine on there. And also on Instagram, you can enter just by liking that post. Uh, and again, make sure you follow Football Kit Market on Instagram. So essentially where you see that, give it a share, give it a retweet. And then make sure you follow our friends at Football Kit Markets. And you can do that as many times as you want. And we'll do the draw live on the next podcast, which will be next week. And it will be in time for the Liverpool game because we'll have to preview the Liverpool game. And then the Braga game. Or maybe just the Liverpool game and then we'll do podcast after before Braga. We'll we'll, we'll kind of figure that out. But um, essentially, with the competition, you've got a week to get involved and it will be a live draw on air and uh, we'll release the winner via social media all those social media platforms as well and that'll be released after the podcast drops so it won't be uh, you can either see it on there or you can hear it on the podcast that's about it for the episode i can't think of anything more apart from i think i'm just going to go and look at the premier league table a little bit more uh, i've had it on for the majority of the podcast recording uh, and i will continue to stare at it in disbelief uh, for as many weeks as we manage to stay there. Get retweeting. Um, good luck to everybody. Uh, hopefully that you get to win the shirt in time for Christmas. Uh, and we will speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.